Tennessee State's Terrell Allen just won the Buck Buchanan Award for the best defensive player in all of FCS, and this only furthers why he should be the HBCU Player of the Year. Oh, yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day, every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off doesn't mean the journey's over. Just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical and empower yourself. When you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that are meant, meant to treat over 50 infections, get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. We wrap up today's episode with a two-part MEAG basketball recap from over the weekend. Remember, we have games tonight, but the two biggest blowouts on the men's side and the women's side give us a little bit of interesting storylines to watch as we kick off conference play but prior to that football is not in conference play football isn't even in play we have the fcs championship just yesterday so football is over the only thing we have left is the national championship with michigan and alabama today once you get to the end of the season that's when you start seeing the awards come out, right? Whether that's the FBS awards or if that's the FCS awards. And obviously, we're on the FCS side. So we're looking at defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, coach of the year. And this year, Terrell Allen, Tennessee State defensive end, is your Buck Buchanan Award winner. I want to look at the history of it, how we got here, what it means, right? Let's not allow what it means and what's coming after this to overshadow what he was able to accomplish because this is a big deal. Terrell Allen has just been named the best defensive player in FCS football in 2023. It's well-deserved, and he's the sixth HBCU player ever to win that award, and that's been out for a little under 30 years, or, yeah, right around 30 years. I think it's a little bit less than, though. So he's the first from Tennessee State, but you're looking at Jordan Lewis, who won this in the spring of 2021. Then you had Isaiah Land who backdoored him in the fall and won it then. So that's technically two within one calendar year. Then you space a year. Somebody else won. I don't even know who won it that year. Now you're right back with Terrell Allen. So now you're looking at three HBCU winners in as many years, 21, 22, and now 23, even though technically you had two in 2021. This is a little bit of a trend, and it's one that, of course, we should be happy about. It's one that we should like because, hey – we hear the conference um, rankings and as far as 
oh, well, that conference isn't as talented and that the competition level isn't this, that, and the third. So when you see somebody who the first two times it was SWAC players, this time it was somebody from the OVC, so I understand it's not quite applicable, but the more HBCU players you get, ain't that many HBCUs that aren't in HBCU conferences. It's three of them. So more times the odds would tell you it'll be somebody from the MEAC or the SWAC if we're speaking HBCU players winning an award like this. So we should be looking for that in my opinion. But let's read everybody else too, because that's three in the last three years. But prior to that, you had Dean King or Dion King, excuse me, from Norfolk State in 2015. In 2002, you had uh, Rashawn, Rashawn uh, Mathis from Bethune Cookman. You had Chris McNeil in 97 from North Carolina AT. And he was in a race, he being Allen, I'm back to the present now. He being Allen was in a race with Dylan Kelly from Albany and then Billy Schaefer from Lafayette. And Kelly is a true off-ball linebacker, right? And sometimes when you're looking at these awards, you got to think about what they will value. Kelly had 159 tackles in 15 games. So you're looking at about 10 and a half per game. That's crazy. That's a ridiculous rate. But it's not going to be valued as much as the disruption stats, which are the sacks and the tackles for a loss. These are numbers that you know are for a negative game. A tackle is a tackle 100 or 80 yards down the field or eight yards down the field or in the backfield. It's a tackle. But when you say tackle for a loss, you know, that's a negative. When you hear sack, you know, that's a negative. And I, I believe, especially in this day and age where we're such a pass heavy, just football game period on every single level. I believe that's why you see the sacks that are valued more than anything else. There's probably no, no stat that gets valued more than sacks in today's football on the defensive side obviously you have turnovers but people get high sack numbers more than they get you're not getting 20 interceptions in a year it's just not happening right so and when you look at Schaefer because I looked at the people he's in a race with Kelly off-ball linebacker just didn't stand a chance honestly um Schaefer he just didn't have the numbers that Allen had Allen was second in this in the nation in sacks with 14 and a half the only person who had more than him had 15 and they played 15 games to get it. Meanwhile, Allen had only 11 games to get his 14 and a half. So pure numbers, mass of numbers. Yeah, they didn't go to him by half a sack. But overall, he was the most consistent pass rusher on the FCS level with his 14 and a half sacks. His 28 tackles for a loss are the most amongst anybody, no matter how many games that they played. You're looking at a player who was extremely disruptive on a consistent basis and was able to rack up his numbers. He deserves that. Now, when we speak about what he deserves and what he gets, sometimes those are two different conversations. Now, he deserved and received this award, the Buck Buchanan Award. I do not believe that he is going to get the Deacon Jones Trophy, which is the Black College Football Player of the Year, but he surely does deserve it, and this is the reason why. I hedged a little bit of my bets because I wasn't sure exactly who was up and what they might value. I wanted to play it safe, but now that Terrell Allen has won the Buck Buchanan Award for the best defensive player in all of F on, on excuse me on all of FCS football, right? So. That was enough for me to remove my hesitancy. Last week when I'm speaking about my candidates, I always said I think that Terrell Allen should win the Black College Football Player of the Year. But now that he's won the Buck Buchanan, I feel even more confident in saying that because this hasn't been a special year for HBCU offenses. And that's no disrespect to Richard, to Davius Richard, 
uh, to Davis Richard, I said him twice, but to Davis Richard, Ladarius Owens, Jada Byers, Jeremy Moosey, even, even though he wasn't in my four, I think these are solid players. And outside of Owens, I don't think anybody did anything special. And Owens didn't do enough special to unseat. All right, I'm just going to be honest how I feel. I think that, that Darius Owens is hurt from bad team production and then also not being a quarterback. So positional value really hurts him as a running back that's consistently devalued. That's just a position that's devalued frequently. He doesn't have that advantage against Terrell Allen either. Allen is an edge rusher. And as an edge rusher, excuse me, as an edge rusher, that's arguably the most valuable defensive position on the field, when you look at how people pay it, how they feel about it, how they talk about it, I don't think there's a defensive player or a defensive position that is more valued and, and beloved than edge rusher, which kind of coincides with me feeling like there's no stat that's more valued or beloved than sacks on the defensive side of the football. So I think that Terrell Allen does deserve this. Hasn't been a special year. I don't think that's disrespectful to say. I don't think that that's an indictment or an insult. It's just merely me saying I don't think that people were special in 2023. This is a year I would give this to Terrell Allen. I'll continue to beat that drum, and when he doesn't get it, I'll say that he was snubbed. But hopefully that he hopefully he does. Now, as we push forward, we're going to stay with the MEAC for the rest of today's episode. Looking at men's basketball and women's basketball, there was a big blowout on each side. I guess on each gender. I don't know how to phrase that. And as we push forward with today's episode, we're going to stay with the MEAC, specifically basketball, for the rest of the day, right? We're going to look at women's basketball, then we're going to look at men's basketball because a blowout on each side is a big story coming out of the weekend and coming out of the MEAC season opener. But to kick it off, Diamond Johnson has arrived. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and FanDuel is the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're out of the regular season now. We're in playoff football, the best kind of football. The best time of the year is early January until mid-February because we have playoff ball. I love this, and you'll love it too, especially if you're new to FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, put down a $5 money line bet, and you'll get $150 back in bonus bets that's five dollar money line bets and you'll make 150 dollars back in bonus bets it's just that simple right so all of the wild card schedules have been revealed you know exactly who's playing when the one i'm most excited for there's two it's always the three versus the six it's the kansas city chiefs versus the miami dolphins and then also the los angeles rams versus the detroit lions these are the games that i'm excited for and you could go to fanduel.com slash locked on Put down a $5 money line bet if you're new to FanDuel and get $150 back in bonus bets. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day, as soon as I'm done, no matter when it is or where you are, go ahead and click over to Locked on Sports today because I know you're subscribed. And check out the 24-7 first-of-its-kind sports network on YouTube. No matter what time it is, you'll be able to catch something. So go ahead and subscribe today. Let's get into basketball. This is the first in-depth basketball talk about real action within the conference that we're going to have. We've done conversations about history-making victories and things of that nature. But we have a star that has arrived in the MEAC. And to me, this game with Norfolk State women's basketball versus South Carolina State, it was the announcement of Diamond Johnson's arrival. And I don't know of when Diamond Johnson transferred from North Carolina State to Norfolk State, if there was a bigger HBCU basketball transfer in this offseason. You could put in Seth Towns with his story and how long he had been in college and you know the, the trials and tribulations that he had been through. You could bring in Star Jacobs because, even though they kind of flew under the radar for whatever reason, she was, no pun intended, a star in her previous school at UTA. University of Texas at Arlington. Shout out to the AMA. But this is, when you look at Diamond Johnson, the one that I felt raised the most antennas strictly based off of what she's done on the court. She's already crossed a 1,000 points now, right? She was at 900 and something, and she's now crossed a 1,000 points in her career. She did that while wearing the, uh, the, the Norfolk State jerseys. Now, The reason I say this is her coming out party is because, like I said, she transferred in, but also she didn't make her season debut until mid-December, until December 16th. That's when she played her first game. This game against South Carolina State was only her fifth game this year. So in a way, she's still finding her way. And in a way, this is a coming out party. For everybody who knew her already, it's kind of like they say that NBA basketball doesn't NBA basketball. They said the NBA really doesn't start until after Christmas. And that's kind of how I look at it when it comes to the HBCU ball, too. A lot of times we're not really worried about the out of conference. So what she did out of the conference in her limited action, as good as that was, it didn't catch everybody's attention. But in this game, how she played, how the team played. Oh, yeah, this is the announcement of her arrival. Diamond Johnson is here and she ain't to be trifled with. You're looking at 21 points, nine, uh, not, I was going to say nine assists because that sounds way more regular, right? Saying that Diamond Johnson came into this game and had 21 points and nine assists, you're like, oh, that's a solid game. She had 21 points and nine steals. An absolute game record to have nine steals. That's the second most in the conference all year. Nearly had a double-double based off of her steals. She had 21 points and seven steals the game prior to this. So this is what she does, and she's slowly but surely getting into her groove. She chimed in with five assists as well, which led the team. The points led the team. The assists led the team. The steals led the team. She was phenomenal on Saturday against South Carolina State. Now, I think I I would say that her name brand would say she's an early front runner or one of the early front runners for MEAC player of the year. She didn't play too much in the out of conference schedule, but that typically isn't held against anybody. That typically isn't held against anybody. I don't know who's gone through that, but I feel like it wouldn't be as long as she stays healthy through MEAC play and she plays how she did on Saturday. 
you're going to be looking at the player of the year because she rebounds, she playmakes, she she steals the ball, she scores her own points. And you look at the team, they had 35 points off of turnovers against South Carolina State. She had nine steals. The team had 21 themselves. That's how you're able to create offense. Offense doesn't have to be difficult. Sometimes you just need to create a turnover or maybe grab a rebound. In this case, it's a turnover and run the floor. Just run the floor. And it gets significantly easier when you have somebody who's stealing the ball, who's also a threat to score and also a threat to assist. It makes it much more difficult on the defense. It makes it much more difficult on your opponent, but it makes it so much easier on you. So she played well, but maybe even worse than her play or better than her play. Right. But worse depending on how you look at it. South Carolina State got absolutely drug and disrespected in this game. It was terrible. It was terrible in this game. You're looking at the final score and I haven't even said it yet. The final score in this game was 94 to 33. Nobody got close to 94 points. The only teams that got out of the 60s were two teams who made it into overtime. Right. And I think one ended at 69. And I think the other, or maybe it was, I, I don't think either team got out the 60s in regulations. Right. So they were in the high 60s, but not, they didn't get into 70 until overtime came in. Those are the only teams. They scored 94 points. This is embarrassing. They defeated the Bulldogs by 61 points. I think only three teams all on Saturday scored 61 points, right? Like, like this is, this is, this is bad. I'm going to continue to tell you how bad it was. So forgive me for the next minute and a half. South Carolina state, or excuse me, Norfolk state could have missed every single one of their second half shots and still, they could have missed every single one of their second half shots and still made it a 20 point victory. South Carolina State scored four points in a quarter, 13 points in a quarter, one point in a quarter, 15 points in a quarter. A one-point quarter is insane. That means you didn't make a single basket for 10 minutes. That's how dominant that Norfolk State was defensively. Now, you compare that to Norfolk's numbers, 24, 29, 23, 18 in the fourth. I'm assuming they took the foot off the gas a little bit. I'm assuming they took the foot off the gas a little bit. This is bad. This is not good. I don't think you'll see this often, but this is the type of game that makes you say, oh, we need to look at Norfolk State as being one of the most dominant teams in HBCU basketball. And this happened in game one. I don't think anybody should be questioning the talent of the team. Maybe in South Carolina State, but this is back to back games that Diamond Johnson has had 21 points in seven or more steals. A star has arrived, and her name is Diamond Johnson. And as we push forward, we're going to stay within the MEAC, but we're going to move to men's basketball because North Carolina Central, they had the blowout over Howard in the marquee game of the MEAC opening weekend. We'll look at that as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical, and it doesn't matter where you are or who you are. You never know what can happen. And because you can't predict the future, all you can do is prepare for the future. It doesn't matter if you're in hurricane season, tornado uh, 
Valley, I think that's what it's called. Maybe you're in California, you got earthquakes. Maybe you're on the Northeast and you're dealing with the snow, right? You never know what's going to happen and you may not be able to leave your house. You may have an injury you got to deal with. You might have anything. And because you never know, I'd rather be proactive than reactive. And by being proactive, I go to Jace Medical. That's J-A-S-E medical.com and go ahead and get one of those Jace cases because it has five, excuse me, five potential life-saving antibiotics that are meant to treat over 50 infections. So it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, or what's going on around you. Make sure that you're prepared for whatever, because whatever can happen whenever. Now, as we push forward, we'll look at North Carolina Central. The way Howard lost, they might want to be getting a Jace case. I wonder if one of those antibiotics can help with somebody's pride. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. Thank you. Thank you. North North Carolina Central absolutely blew out the Howard Bison, and it was off the backs of their big two, their, their strong duo of Harris and Cleveland. Now, this was the marquee matchup of the MEAC weekend. This was the one that was on ESPNU. This is the one that was on at 11 a.m. As I'm getting up out of here to go handle some business on the weekend that I had to handle, this game is on, right? So you're looking at, I wonder how much you can hear in that microphone. I just drank some water for my audio listeners, for my video. Y'all saw I tried to, ah, ah, real quick, so you ain't even hear. Anywho. North Carolina Central absolutely dominated this game. They ended up winning by 19 points. It was by far the biggest victory of the men's side. We saw on the women's side, they had a 60-point victory. It paled in comparison to that. But So you could always be like, well, we could be South Carolina State women basketball. But North Carolina Central won by 19 points. And that duo of Fred Cleveland Jr. and Jadarius Harris, they are the ones who powered them. And they played forever. Cleveland played 40 minutes. Harris played 39. There are 40 minutes within that game, which means Cleveland never came off the court. Meanwhile, Harris came off for only a minute. Vastly different. Vastly different from what we usually see. This is this is what I call playoff basketball with how you use your rotations. But these two players are so valuable for the Eagles. These two players are so productive for the Eagles. They did more than just score points. I know that's what typically is the most attractive statistic for your eyes on the, on the box score. Mine too. Like I'm not above that. I'm not going to sit here and act like I, I don't do that as well, but they did more than that. And I feel like I should highlight it. So Harris came down with seven rebounds. Cleveland had six and both of them had all that are rebounds except for one for each player on the defensive side of the ball, which was good for trying to limit shots after the first right. Second chance points. Right. So they didn't get a lot of offensive rebounds, but they also didn't miss a lot of shots. They didn't miss a bunch of shots. They had a much better shooting percentage than Howard. And Cleveland's impact was beyond just the rebounds because he also had seven of the 11 assists. So you have Cleveland, who was the leading scorer on the team. He had six rebounds, which I think was third, maybe fourth on the team. And then you also have him who had seven of the 11 assists. He's the primary facilitator. He was the primary scorer along with Harris to be, I would be kind of 
uh, remiss if I didn't mention them because they were right there. You look at Cleveland, who had 23. Harris had 21. So to act like they weren't right there neck and neck would be a little bit disingenuous. But these are two of the top five scores in the conference period. So it should come as no surprise that both of these players showed up in the MEAC season opener. Now, to flip it over to Howard for a second, this is something that did kind of surprise me is I looked at the box score, I looked at Bryce Harris, and I seen 20-something points for Bryce Harris, leading score. Well, you ain't going to win too many games with Bryce Harris as your leading score. I said that just kind of off the cuff to myself. But then again, I could be right. Who knows? I could be right with them. They're only 4-9, and nine, so it's not like they won many games. But I also hadn't recognized the, the role that Bryce Harris has stepped into. So to make this personal, I I sometimes have difficulty if I know you and this is who you, I think many people have this problem. But if I know you to be something and then all of a sudden you decide to change. You should probably come to me with people who have already recognized your change self and I'll have an easier time just like kind of accepting it. But once I view you as a certain way, sometimes I have difficulty shifting and recognizing that you've changed or grown. Right. Like like that's a difficult thing for me to do because i feel like i know this person that we're this hypothetical person so well that's bryce harris in this situation because i'm looking at 2022 to 2023 bryce harris not 2023 to 2024 bryce harris right i'm looking at the sophomore or excuse me the junior version of this guy no sophomore i'm looking at the sophomore uh, version of this guy not the junior one who's playing 12 more minutes per game who's having to step into a a bigger role as a scorer i'm not looking at that so this is, in a way, my eye opener. Be like, okay, let me let me change my frame of reference when it comes to Bryce Harris because I remember watching him in the MEAC tournament, and I didn't know how good of an offensive player he was. I didn't know that he could put up 20, what, every other three games. Like, I, I didn't see that player, right? I saw a hustle guy who was going to get you some boards and maybe crash the boards and get him some points off of that. But this year, with 12 more minutes, he's grown exponentially. He's doubled his point total. He went from seven to 14 and a half, right? Let me make sure I got that, that number right. Yeah, so he went from seven to 14.8. You look at his assists per game. They're still not a big part of his game, but he's went from 0.6 to 1.2. He's already at 19 assists compared to his 20 in the season prior. So, like, just number-wise, he's going to surpass all of his career highs, and I don't doubt that at all because he's become a greater part of the rotation, a greater part of the lineup. His responsibility that he's been handed is kind of similar to how I felt would happen with Shy Odom, where I felt like Shy Odom, and I know he's dealt with some injuries, I felt like Shy Odom was going to come in this, this following season, so his sophomore year, this year right here, and just be ready to take on so much and be the guy. And for whatever reason, he hasn't. Seth Towns has been in a way. I like Bryce Young. I got to make sure I pay a closer attention to him. But this is a perfect example of somebody being given a larger role after being a, a rotational piece, being a larger role within the offense, within the team, and capitalizing and make, making the most of it. That's what Bryce Harris has done. And though – Howard lost and it wasn't a close game. I wanted to make sure I highlighted that because that's not something to scoff at. Now, on tomorrow's episode, I think that we're going to look at. I'm undecided. There's two things and I'm not sure. So 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say something, promise it, and not come true. But I think I have an, a good idea of what we're gonna talk about. You just have to wait till tomorrow. So in the meantime, in between time, until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed, peace.